Hello, 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 Boss Babes. Welcome to our other series of mini-sodes featuring Boss Babes in the Ottawa Valley and Lanark County that go beyond entrepreneurs and business owners. We are recognizing role models, activists, corporate leaders, and working professionals who are breaking barriers, sparking important conversations, and championing for change. We want to be inclusive and embrace those that are making an impact, are changing their communities, and are bringing awareness to topics that sometimes have the potential to generate controversy. Because ambitious and powerful boss babes aren't just making waves in the entrepreneurship world, and they too need to be heard. Now let's kickstart the conversation. Welcome to Boss Babe Corner. Hi, my name is Julia, owner and new to certified spray tan artist at Ray Days in Petawawa. Did you know that just one tanning bed session before age 35 can increase your chances of developing melanoma by 75%? At Ray Days, I offer safe, sunless tanning solutions from naturally derived ingredients. I am proud to provide high quality products that are vegan friendly and cruelty free. If you need a natural looking glow up for your special event or just because, visit my website at raydaysunless.com. That's R-A-Y-D-A-Y-Z-S-U-N-L-E-S-S.com. Ready, set, glow. Ever since I heard that the Urban Collective Wellness Lounge would be adding float therapy into their wellness services, I knew I had to try it out. Float therapy is not only great for your self-care regimen, but it also helps if you struggle with chronic, physical, or mental health conditions, such as anxiety, depression, stress, arthritis, inflammation, or other ailments brought on by stress. Now, as a busy mom and business owner, I am constantly on the go and have a hard time shutting my brain off. When I tried float therapy for the first time, I felt my body relaxing, allowing myself to rest, de-stress, and heal without any distractions. Plus, the Urban Collective Wellness's float pool allows the option for couples to experience a float together. So me and my husband are gonna have to try it out. Take advantage of the Urban Collective Wellness's biggest float therapy sale yet with an unlimited monthly membership at only $2.99 a month. That's unlimited floats. Book your float now online at the Urban Collective Wellness Lounge in Petawawa because total tranquility is just one float away. Julie, just to kind of continue on our conversation between the two of us, again, from one mother to another, I know exactly what you're going through. I understand the pain and the heartbreak after losing a baby. Again, different circumstances, but we still both lost a baby that was supposed to be a permanent member of our families. Julie, I know that you get a certain length of time now to be off and to grieve and to just kind of get get back to that sense of reality and and to kind of like seek therapy if you need it but not everybody does that and yeah. and a lot of people you know you try to bounce back i want to kind of talk about my experience here because this was something that i didn't really understand i was you know i remember texting my boss and telling her right before i went to the hospital saying like I'm going in because I'm bleeding, but I'll, I'll yeah. be right back to work. I'll be right back. And then I had miscarried on a Thursday and I said, I'll be back on Monday as we delivered our, our son on a Sunday. And she had said, take all the time you need. You're going to need more time than that. My, I mean, and Mike, you and I are going to get into this a little bit after I talked to Julie about it. My husband went back to work on Monday. And I'll tell you one thing, he was not okay, but I was really lucky because I had a support system. I had people to talk to. I had my mom basically on standby 
calling her probably every hour. I had my granny, I had my sisters, I had some girlfriends that I would touch base with. And I kept podcasting because that was my outlet. That was my way to kind of like keep going, take my mind off things. And if there was any kind of sort of camaraderie there, I would try to connect with that. But Julie, I want to hear about your experience. What did you do? Um, yeah, so um, I ended up leaving my teaching job right after Christmas. Um, it was recommended by um, some of the medical professionals we were working with just to go ahead and, and take that time because essentially uh, without sugarcoating anything, you know, Kara could die basically at any time, any time. So they had recommended that I be off uh, and not go back to school after Christmas holidays. Um, but I did end up taking the rest of the school year off and um I'm really glad I did because part of me was like no I want to get back to work I want to be distracted and um what ended up happening though is again lovely COVID um the schools ended up going online so our younger children Jovi and Holden the daycares were still open so they were going to daycare every day but Blair was actually um home with me so while Mike worked I uh, had day in day out with Blair and to be honest I think it was a a blessing in disguise because Blair and I spent a lot of time together and uh, you know just out walking or in nature and uh, even though she was young we were able to talk about Kara a lot and I feel like you know it's almost divine intervention you know um that we were meant to spend that time together and kind of get through those months together. Because I'll admit there were some days I didn't want to get out of bed and uh, I knew Blair was there though. And she needed me and my kids need to get ready for daycare. And so in those days that I really just wanted to fall apart, there were my healthy children needing me and, and spending time with me and helping me get through my, my own grief. So uh, I thought I was going to spend a lot of, you know, time uh, by myself and soul searching and, you know, um, just taking care of myself. And it ended up turning out to be, yes, I took care of myself, but in a very different way than I had expected. Julie, did you end up seeking therapy? Um, so I was uh, still in contact with um, Carol who did our, for lack of a better term, our, our grief and bereavement therapy. Um, so I was still in touch with her on a biweekly basis for the, the full year after um, Kara was born. Um, but I did take other means in taking care of myself and uh, just knew the grief was not something I could just handle on my own. I'll be honest with you, before we found out about Kara. Uh, I was a very private person. I did not like to talk about uh, how I was feeling. I'd rather internalize most of it. After the fact, I became much better at discussing my feelings and, and talking through these things. So uh, yet another gift Kara gave to me. So important. It's so important to be able to do that. And just, it's such a release too, right? Like just being able to kind of offload on someone yeah. and, and just, and to talk about your experience and just have someone be that listening ear. I actually was able to, um, 
help other mothers as well. So Carol uh, asked if I'd be interested in speaking to other mothers who were experiencing something similar. So like the family we spoke to when I was pregnant, um, I did speak to other mothers through Roger Nielsen House. And I also found that, um, yeah, it was tough, but it was also very therapeutic to be able to, to talk to these women and let them know that they're going through the, the hardest, most difficult times of their lives. And yet there is a brightness on the other side. There is light at the end of the tunnel and it will, it will get better and it will get easier. Mike, now I want to turn the attention on you and not to say it like this, but oftentimes the father is forgotten during this time as the attention is solely focused on the mother. And maybe that's because she, she's the one that carried the baby and she was the one that had that bond. But I've seen firsthand that it's just the father gets a handshake and an I'm sorry. And then you're expected to be the caregiver and proceed in life as usual. Again, I saw that with my husband, he was expected to go back to work. And unfortunately, I I had that expectation with him. And we ended up seeking therapy because of it, because he was grieving in an entirely different way that I didn't understand. Um, nobody was checking in on him. Nobody was asking him how he was doing. Everybody was calling me and sending me messages. I, I think one person sent him a message and said, like, hey, Ryan, like, are you doing okay, bud? Like, you you lost a child, too. And that is so difficult because you're expected to be the strong one. You're expected to not cry. You're expected to be there for Julie and your kids, but you're going to work. You're going to have to, you know, carry on and you're battling that inside and internally. And that's not easy. So Mike, can you talk to your experience about how you dealt with the aftermath of Kara's passing? I mean, just to be really honest, initially, not well at all. Um, uh, and I think that's okay too. Um, I struggled a lot throughout the pregnancy, just feeling helpless. Like all those feelings you describe were things that were going through my mind. Like I always felt like I wasn't doing enough, um, was just really frustrated by the situation. And there wasn't really anything that I could do, or at least like that's how I felt at the time to make things better, to make like Kara better or to 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 help our family in the way that I wanted to um so at first and even before like kind of you mentioned it when you were coming back uh with throwing yourself into your podcast like something similar like I threw myself heavily into my work um and to a certain degree that's okay uh, I love my work I love what I do um but also that work home balance is important uh, and that's I think something that a lot of us lost sight of throughout the pandemic uh, but to me at that time, that was almost therapeutic and, and kind of what I needed. Um, it's something I know I'm I'm really good at. It's something that I knew I can I can fix, I can improve. These are things that I can do. Um, and so being able to put like effort and, and work in and then directly see like a positive outcome from from what I was doing, um, that felt good because I was kind of something like a feeling almost that I was craving or, or lacking because I, I wanted to do all those things with Kara, but there really wasn't anything like within my control that I could do to get that same sort of um, outcome. So in its simplest form, like it, it kind of relates relates back to, to 
some of the societal norms that we're all accustomed to, um, you know, like without taking anything away from, from Julie, certainly, or, or any moms going through a loss like this, like you mentioned it too, it, it, it I, honestly, like it's harder on the moms, like they have to carry the baby. It's, it's their bodies. They're, they're going through this more than any dad can really feel. Um, and, and then we're left often feeling like we have to be the rock, you know, we, we have to be the strong one. Um, and we, we want to be there. We want to support our partners. And I was no different in, in, in feeling that. Um, so in a lot of ways, I, I didn't really allow myself or kind of give myself permission to, to grieve initially. Like I was so focused on how do I make sure our kids are okay? Or how do I make sure Julie's okay? Um, those sorts of things that I didn't really, um, kind of take the time to uh ask if I was okay um so that that was kind of a big part of my experience in the first couple months I, I certainly was not good at it if I'm being honest and I'm still learning like there's still a lot of growth that I have to do there but looking back and after some of the counseling um that we did have like doing reading educating myself more too like uh, I realized some of those mistakes that that I was making and 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 so now like some of the best, I guess, advice or things I'd say to other dads is to, like, take care of yourselves first. Um, talk to someone early and often, whether that be like going for counseling or therapy or just having a good support system, like friends that you can just talk to and trust or family uh, to talk through. Um, because if you don't, like there's going to be a breaking point. It's it's going to happen. It happened to me multiple times and you're going to just kind of fall apart. And then when that happens, you can't be there to support your partner or your family um, to kind of hold things together. And that's really what you're trying to be a rock for, right? And and so, um, yeah. Mike, did you have people checking in on you? I, I, yes, not probably to your, like kind of similar to your, um, your experience um, with you and your husband, like not as much as, as Julie, certainly. Everyone was reaching out to Julie first. We're very fortunate, like through Roger Nielsen, I was like talking with Carol, um, like she talked to both of us, right? So sometimes it was one-on-one -on -one with Julie or sometimes it was together and Julie certainly took advantage of it more than I did, but she was there as a support for, for both of us. Uh, and you know, I had good support from like my family, my mom and others asking and checking in on me too. But I, I would say like, it's, um, you're just more accustomed to always check on the mom first, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's, what happens and, and I'd, I'd say that's similar to what happened for us too this might be a little bit of a personal question guys but did extended friends and family know about Kara no <laughs> um so at the time uh I was very uh quiet about everything that was going on uh essentially just our closest friends and family and, and my, um, employers knew. Um, and again, I think that stems from a little bit of feeling like somehow I had failed because this pregnancy was not going to end well. And with trisomy 18, the thing, this is the crazy thing. With trisomy 18, it, it was a full, considered a full trisomy. So what that means is what happened was completely random. So um, in this case, like during conception, the 18th chromosome tripled instead of doubled. And that's what caused all these um, 
ab yeah abnormalities these these um differences in care that caused her to have life-limiting um conditions so and yet I still felt guilty like somehow I had done something that caused this this pregnancy not to go well so it was really difficult to talk to people about what was going on and um I remember at the time one of my co-workers uh his wife was expecting a baby around the same time and uh so he would come in and you know uh very innocently say oh yeah my wife just had an ultrasound and how are things going with you and I couldn't bring myself to say well actually <laughs> things aren't going too well I just I couldn't do it so for weeks on end I had to pretend that everything was fine so whether it was in the grocery store and you have the little old ladies coming up to say oh like when are you due and and things like that to you know people just reach out saying oh like you must be so excited to have a a fourth child I remember the daycare workers even at uh, Holden and Jovi's daycare said oh like you're getting closer and closer like are you guys ready and and you know and the whole time I just pretended that everything was going to work out just fine because I, I just I couldn't talk about it yeah I think I was in a similar but different kind of situation so I hadn't like like my family like you know, I told a lot of them, I hadn't shared the news of this pregnancy with a lot of my closest friends. And then we had the diagnosis before I had the opportunity to do so. And with all the news and basically being in week by week mode, yeah, I guess I kind of just like never did because I didn't know how to be like, hey, we're pregnant. We're expecting a fourth. We're going to have the baby, but she's not going to live. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard. Uh, and then it, it took until kind of after we met her and got some time with her for me to figure out how to have those conversations and like reach out to people and begin talking about her because I hadn't really allowed myself to have them sooner. I wish I had mm -hmm. looking back, but like, um, it was just, yeah, I guess it's, it's one of those things that like, I don't want to say it's like taboo, but for me, it, it, it felt uncomfortable to talk about mm -hmm. and I wasn't really like equipped at that time to figure out how to navigate those sorts of conversations and so I just I didn't have them uh which didn't help me at all um yeah but that's but, because there's no handbook on how to navigate that right like yeah. when you see that positive pregnancy test you see the end result right you don't see you don't see question marks at the end and nobody, nobody knows how to navigate that situation and nobody knows how to have those conversations. So uh, this is actually my next question for you guys. Like, how did you guys finally feel comfortable going public with the news about Kara and sharing her story with others, especially with you guys both being so private originally? I think just because of everything leading up to meeting Kara, um, how hard she fought for like just a little bit of time with us um like we had talked a lot before the pregnancy and this was maybe something that we were I don't want to say on a different page of but like we, oh, had, sure. we were we had different thoughts about um leading up to it uh but we had before meeting her like decided like you know um we weren't even gonna write an obituary and we weren't gonna 
kind of the news outside of our family and, and things like that. And I think then meeting her, having time with her, um, changed everything. And, and I, I like, it's more than that too. Like a lot of things building up to that. Um, but I think by going through, like talking to each other, talking, getting some, some support and help and talking through that and, and what it looked like, we really, uh, struggled, um, both Julie and I in different ways and for different reasons. And like that, yeah. that's silly. Like that <laughs> shouldn't happen. It should be okay for us to talk about our daughter. Um, others shouldn't feel like they can't ask us about her, um, which still happens quite a bit, right? Because it's in a lot of cases, um, people just aren't comfortable talking about her because of what happened. And so I think through um, just meeting her, having that time with her, like really that day we knew instantly, like we, we kind of need to change what we had planned. And um, it was really, really hard initially. Like I said, like for me, I, I hadn't even told a lot of my closest friends that we were expecting a fourth. So I, I basically had to, you know, reach out and start saying, Hey, we had this daughter, um, but she's now passed. And so that was really hard, but I think an important part, uh, for both of us. And then once we got, you know, beyond, some of those initially some of the toughest conversations that we had um it, it's it's kind of become part of our therapy like you know talking about her um just making sure that her memory stays fresh in everyone's minds not just ours but but others and kind of sharing her story uh and, and like that's that's i think a big part of like moving forward how we want to just honor her and, and remember her and it it, it helps just being able to 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 talk about her who came up with the idea for Kara's kager we had actually a conversation with um another family who had lost their daughter to trisomy 18 uh the year before and carol had recommended in one of our therapy sessions that we find a way to um honor Kara or keep her a part of our lives and this couple that we spoke with uh talked about how every year on their daughter's birthday they they hold a, a snowmobile party where they all get together and um have a bonfire and stuff like that and um Mike and I had a conversation shortly after that about you know celebrating Kara's life one of us threw out the name Karis Kager as a joke, just because Mike and I are big on, uh, you know, we're, we enjoy beer. So um, we kind of joked about it and I made a comment about, uh, I hate winter and the cold. So I'm like, well, if we're going to do that, it's got to be in the summer because nobody wants to enjoy a kegger in the middle of winter. And the idea just kind of spiraled from there. And we after Kara was born uh like Mike said earlier we it, it's almost like we owed it to her to celebrate the fact that this little three and a half pound baby uh proved the world wrong and um we wanted to celebrate the fact that she had made it so um we didn't want to have like a 
a memorial or anything like that. What we want to do is is celebrate and really thank the people of Roger Nielsen House and help other families who are going through what we went through. So we wanted to take this really difficult experience and really turn it into something positive that we could really devote ourselves to. So that's essentially how it how it started. Um, and we were in the middle of a pandemic. And we were in the middle of a pandemic. So, so it kind of threw us through everything for a loop as well. <laughs> we, were, we were desperate for we were desperate, Yeah, desperate for socialization. Um, uh, but yeah. no kidding aside, it, it like it really, we just wanted to turn it into a celebration. And we had so much inspiration mm -hmm. from that first family that Julie mentioned. Other families like Maddie's Gala, we went to their 14th annual event just this past year uh, and celebrated with them for their daughter. And so there is a lot of other kind of examples that we we leaned on and we just decided you know with everything they've done for us we want to give back and share their story, story to to raise funding but equally just to like raise awareness um that's a big part of it is just recognizing what all these amazing people are doing um shining a light on that so that people are aware and then hopefully also others get more comfortable talking about these sorts of things which often they're not comfortable talking about. So when did you guys decide that you wanted to make an annual event and fundraiser? Because this is your third year you guys are doing it. Yeah. So um, I think like the first year that we decided to, to hold it, we had always intended for it to be an annual event. Um, but, you know, originally that first year, 2021, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I think we were limited to 25 guests by law we might have had 30 uh so yeah it was it was the first year was relatively small um really successful I think we were just over 3,000 in our first year um something around that but like only 30 people right so we were really we were really really happy with that um and then we we talked a lot um leading up to the second year and that's when things were starting to lift a little bit in terms of restrictions um and you know we we wanted to host it again but we wanted to make it a little bit bigger at that point we were both further along in kind of some of our own like grief counseling and things like that and so we were comfortable we had shared Kara's story with a lot more people than we had the previous year and so we were comfortable kind of extending that invite uh, to more to come celebrate Kara with us. Uh, and so we did that. I think our second year, we were over 70, or 70. around that um, last year and over $8,000 um, yeah. yeah, last year. So, you know, we we're basically able to to double the amount of people and also double the amount of funds raised. Um, and so just over time, we really looked more and more at um some of the different fundraising activities others were doing, like we said, we drew a lot from from Maddie's gala from others uh, that kind of inspired us with Karis Kager. Um, and so, you know, while initially we thought this might just be kind of, you know, kind of like a birthday party we'd hold for any of the other kids where we get our family together and, and have a barbecue and have some drinks and um, celebrate Kara, um, we realized that if we kind of open it up more broadly, uh, if, if we put a little bit more work in, then we're able to really raise so much more awareness um, for Roger Nelson House, raise more funding, and it's all in Kara's memory. And so um, that was a big part of our reason to, to continue with it annually, but also to kind of look at how we can grow it, how we can make it 
bigger. Um, and so this year we're really hoping to, to make it our, our, our biggest year yet. And, and I think we're, we're, we're quickly realizing that we're going to outgrow like our having it at our house um, this year, it will be here again. Um, but we're probably 120 plus and, and, and reaching for a higher fundraising goal as well. And, and um, we're already planning 2024 too. So um, we've got big plans. Like we've got a lot of decades of this event ahead of us in our, in our mind. And so we're, we're really excited to, to continue on with it. All right. So you guys are already at basically at max capacity. I think that we've already run out of bathroom space here. Yeah. <laughs> For, I mean, especially yeah. if you guys are having a kegger, but tell everybody when it is. And, uh, and Mike, you were actually just telling me off the pod, some really exciting news about a silent auction that you guys are launching too. Yeah. So it's, it's July 22nd, uh, this year. So we're, we're under three weeks now. Um, and, uh, the silent auction saw so something new this year that we added, um, overwhelmed in the best possible way with the support that we've received, reaching out to, to individuals, businesses, organizations in the Ottawa Valley and in Ottawa, in other surrounding areas that have offered their support. Um, so we're up to now over 50 sponsors already, um, have so many incredible uh, items that will be up for grabs in this auction. Um, Roger Nelson and Chio are actually helping us set it up so that it's going to be online. So we're going to open it up about a week before the event. Uh, we'll link to it from our website and then we'll close it live the day of the kegger. And so that way, any guests joining us in person can bid, but also uh, anyone not able to join us will be able to bid online. And, and hopefully that will allow us to expand our reach and, and really maximize our, our fundraising efforts. Uh, in addition to that, we're, we're going to have some exciting kind of raffle prizes and other fundraising activities on site the day of the kegger. Um, and, and then, yeah, a big part of it is going to be just celebrating Kara and, and enjoying um, some food and drinks together with our guests. Uh, and, and we're so excited for that. So it is closed to the public this year. You guys are not accepting any more uh, people coming or anything like that, right? Um. <laughs> or is it open to the public? Well, well, so like, how do I how do I answer that? I don't even know. Uh, we're 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 no, like we're we've got it um, kind of by invite only, I guess. But if people want to get involved, if people want to attend, reach out to us through the Karis Kager page. We'd love to have everyone. Our big thing is just because it is at our personal residence. We're just wanting to make sure we have you know, food and drink numbers down, but we're also still working out some details with like regards to transportation, make sure everyone gets here safely, gets home safely, uh, things like that. So um, for this year, like we're, we're keeping it, uh, I don't want to say small because uh, it's not small. <laughs> we're, we're 120 to, to maybe 140. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, one of my good friends joked with me that like, do you realize you're just, you're, you're basically hosting a wedding once a year for the rest of your life. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess we're committed to that now. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we are, uh, we're open to having others join us the day of just, we'll ask, they reach out first and, and kind of let us know so we can keep an eye on numbers and big part is we're making sure with travel and like accommodations that everyone gets here and gets home safely. 
And I've been keeping an eye on your page as well. A little nod to Karis Kager on Facebook. And you guys have just an abundance of, of uh, small businesses that have supported and donated and, and are contributing everything from gift cards to, to swag and gift baskets and just so many things. And this is this is one of the great things about local businesses throughout the Ottawa Valley. And just I feel like just in Canada too, everybody is just so generous. And as soon as they hear about any kind of local fundraiser or charity that's going to a great cause everybody's like yes I'm willing when is it what can I do what can I donate and this is just the powerful thing about communities and um yeah the the numbers that are just keep coming in and I know Mike we don't have time to to get into all of the sponsors but one of the great things is that you guys have a website that's built and you guys are continuing building it right now as we speak you guys are getting all the items into the silent auction loading and then the nice thing too is that OV boss babes, me and my family are going to be there the day of. I'm going to be doing lots of stuff behind the scenes. So it's going to be showcased on both Ottawa Valley boss babes on uh, on our socials, as well as Ottawa Valley women in business events. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hosting and doing some things behind the scenes so you guys can see what's all going on. And even just to amp up the anticipation for next year's event, because Mike and Julie, that event, that event's going to be open to the public. And I mean, this wedding, I mean, we might as well have a Greek wedding here because everybody's invited yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right you no know, and we we, I, we can't wait to have you join us uh and, and yeah no you, you 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 said it best there um that's really i think really quickly this year we got into planning and we're like we're gonna be at and beyond our capacity and and um the more and more we we talk and, and share Kara's story we recognize just we want to make it open we want to make it to the public we want to continue to to grow that number and double it again, if not more, next year. Um, and so, yeah, the, the outpouring of support, I, I mean, I can't name them all, but uh, we'll link to, like, in our in our website, on our updates. Um, we've got so much support. Uh, we're overwhelmed, like I said, in the best possible way. And really, that's where we're going. Is This year is going to be the biggest year yet, and we're going to build off of that again. Um, next year, I think, is going to be the, the another significant year growth where we, we move venues and kind of move this event off from our personal residence um, elsewhere. And, and maybe that's a little bit of a hint that, that we hope to be able to share an update as to where that is uh, soon with, with everyone. So if people want to get involved, donate, sponsor, or learn more, guys, where can they go? In, in so many ways. So um, for starters, yeah, you can visit our website. So that's karaskager.ca. Uh, and from there, you can navigate to, to anything else related to Karis Kager. Um, so uh, whether that be, you know, choosing to donate, there's a link right to our donation drive page um, from the website. Um, also, there's a countdown that's, th that's there kind of leading right up to the day of the event. So July 22nd. Um, we're going to be adding when the auction goes live, we'll be adding a, a button to go right to the auction site from our website. Um, uh, any sort of details that anyone might want to know uh, about the event, about the, you know, the first and second year, um, it, it's all there. Uh, links to our social media pages and things like that. So um, yeah, the, the best way to find out, I guess, would be to go to, to karaskager.ca. Uh, and we'd love to hear, I mean, again, we've been so overwhelmed with the support that we've received so far, uh, but we're continuing to get, you know, new sponsors every day and certainly have room for, for others with now moving to the online auction uh, as well. Uh, and so like our email, uh, karaskager at gmail, 
Facebook.com uh, is there and people can reach out to through that or through Facebook and social media. And, and we're happy to talk um, to any individuals, businesses looking to, to get involved uh, in, in any way. We can't wait. Well, Mike, Julie, thank you guys so, so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me and to share Kara's story because that's why we're here. That's what it's all about. And the fact that you guys are still here today and and have created now this incredible, incredible legacy for Kara. You guys are living her mission of I will do good on heaven, on earth. Can you actually, can you guys tell me what that is? Because I really love that. So the quick story behind that. Yeah. Um, my grandparents are amazing people who are very strong in their Catholic faith and um throughout the whole pregnancy my grandfather prayed so much for for Kara and for us and um one of the saints he prayed to was um Saint Therese who um her saying was I will spend my heaven doing good on earth and um my grandfather when he would talk about Saint Therese it, it really just stuck with me and um I just felt like those words really resonated with Kara's life. So in honor of my grandfather and to uh, thank him for all the prayers, but also to honor Kara's life, I we just felt that it just summed up everything so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you guys are doing. You guys are definitely carrying on a wonderful legacy for her and and are doing good right here on earth for her. So she's shining down so proud of mom and dad and her and her brother and sisters. And yeah. And so are we, and we're excited. We're excited to see this legacy continue on for years and years to come. So guys, thank you so much again for being a part of the podcast. And I look forward to joining you guys with our family and, and sharing more stories and connecting with others. And, uh, yeah, to raising some funds towards the Roger Nielsen house. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful initiative that they've built. And um, yeah, you guys can learn more about it at rogernielsenhouse.ca. And then, I can, of course, you can learn more about Kara's Kager at uh, karaskager.ca as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Holly, for having us today. We're, we're so thankful to be able to share Kara's story, uh, everything that you and, and OV Boss Babes is doing. So just a, a big, big thank you. Uh, and we can't wait to celebrate with you. Babes, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of OV Boss Babes Podcast. If you like this episode, along with others, I would love it if you logged on to Apple Podcast or on Spotify and gave us a five-star review. We want to get those ratings up. We want to be able to hit the charts for best entrepreneurship podcast in all of Ontario, and that is how we get discovered. So be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and leave us a review if you like this episode, along with every other podcast that you've been tuning into. We'll be back next week with another local boss babe in your community, so be sure to stay tuned and follow along on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok so that you get to see who is going to be featured next. <laughs>